Hello, and welcome everyone to another episode of the Cultured Nerd Podcast. This week, we're doing episode 54. Honestly, it's going to be one of the last three episodes of the year until we take our little break. So uh, as we wrap season two to a close, we're going to talk about the Superman Legacy casting updates that came about the last few days. Uh, The new updates for what constitutes as a cameo in James Gunn's eyes and what is and isn't going to be included in the film. And then we're also going to talk about what happened recently with Zachary Levi and his, um, I don't know any way to put it other than his shade at James Gunn and everyone in between because of certain things he does not. Uh, We're going to talk about all of that and let's just get right into it. And here we are. Are you? Did I lose you? No, just on the mend. Just not as fast as I used to be in my youth. Still got a little COVID pumping through my veins. Yeah, you got sick over the last week, and uh, you were going to be with us on that podcast where we interviewed uh, Jordan from uh, Power Rangers Unworthy, but. You got the vid. First, <laughs> the first it. time since the inception of the vid. I never got it before then. It was my first time getting it. I laid in bed and watched a ton of anime on Netflix. <laughs> uh, I highly I recommend. Believe it, I believe it. I highly recommend Pluto. It was great. Uh, the Onimusha anime was fine. It's nothing. It it they should just make another Onimusha game instead of just making animes on it um and then i watched the devil's plan yep. and watched them all stab each other in the back with their brains i don't know what that one is but i'll, I'll take your word for it um i actually finally took your advice and started watching jujitsu kaisen and i'm on episode 12 i just kind of yeah. into it for a few days um, um i do 100 understand what you meant by uh it feels a lot like you haka show because it does um, and I actually think they referenced you, Hakusho, a couple of times. Um, when he first gets into the school, he makes a reference saying, when are you guys going to teach me how to use a spirit gun? And I was like, ha, there it is. They're self-aware. I like this. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of Yu Yu Hakusho. It's a little bit of Demon Slayer. It's its own thing, but you can feel all of the other things that have influenced it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's such a funny, funny show. But I I actually really, really do like it. Um, uh, I am now patiently waiting for the English version of the finale for Attack on Titan because I I powered through it all. I watched it all, um, and then the the final episode, special number two, was only in Japanese. So I was like, ah, this is kind of jarring. But um, I'm going to watch it again in a few weeks when it drops because apparently it's dropping on January seventh. So. That Sunday at like 5 p.m. or something, it's going to be there, and I'm going to watch the crap out of it in English and cry again. <laughs> it was so good. There's lots of stuff to cry about in it, so whichever part you want to cry at, that's the right time. Yeah, um, but I keep saying Attack on Titan is essentially the most popular Gundam show ever made because it's a Gundam show. Mm. It's about the 
the terrors of war, how bad war is. Uh, and uh, the main characters essentially are normal humans who pilot these giant monstrosities, which is a Gundam show. <laughs> now, do you think there's any possibility of, because Gundam is referenced in so many other things, do you think we'll have a full circle where we will have a Gundam be an organic being? I mean, I guess that's Ava, but is there any chance that we'll have a Gundam and it's just guts inside <laughs> and they go inside and they're like a gut boy? I don't think so. I mean, exists, Evangelion exists, and the Gundam franchise has been pretty notorious for the fact that this is the non-supernatural, I mean, except for the new type psychic stuff. Um, this is the science-based uh, weapons. It's like the advance, the advancement of natural war. So they wouldn't go into the uh, to that realm. It would go more into the, now we have a super machine. I could see them do something like a liquid metal kind of a thing at some point, but not, nothing beyond... Uh, no organics, I don't think. Mm, mm. I mean, I guess Iron Blooded Orphan is kind of in between, right? Like he only would eventually yeah. he would only work when he was in the machine. You know what I mean? Yeah, and on that, that same note, um, in Gundam Thunderbolt, uh, they had a similar idea where um, that took place during the One Year War, and during Thunderbolt, uh, you had members of Zeon who were literally arms and legs and jacking their their prosthetic limbs into the suit to control it faster. So um, you get, you're getting close to some of these. They're still sticking it firmly in the world of Gundam. Mm. Well, you texted me yesterday. And we're like, are we going to record today? And I was like, if you could give me another 24 hours. And then the news then hit the air. So I apologize for being 24 hours late. But uh it seems that the rest of Superman or James Gunn Superman has finally come together. It's getting there. It is. Um, they officially, officially announced that Nicholas Holt is playing Lex Luthor. With the announcement, he flat out said that, um, yes, the news came a few weeks ago. He didn't comment on it because it wasn't final now. And as of this past weekend, allegedly it was finalized. They took that photo together, and now Nicholas Holt is going to be shaving his head soon as they get gearing up toward filming in the next six weeks, which is really exciting. Um, he's got a great so bald head. We've, we've seen it before. I mean, he's been bald in the, that one photo I use for uh, uh, his, his like modeling. He was bald, but he was also bald the entirety of Mad Max Fury Road. Um, for people who don't remember that he's in that, <laughs> that yeah, he's definitely in that. He screamed. He screamed witness me a lot, which was fun. And that silver <laughs> spray paint. Was... The, the chrome. Yeah, the chrome. Shiny and all that stuff. Yeah, they, they were. That was a fun movie. That That's a movie that gets you pumped up and while you're driving in a car. I hope that the new one. Um, I hope but... that the new one takes a lot. I mean, I hope they just do another version of the last movie. You know what I mean? Big stunts in the desert, real life action scenes. Yeah, oh, maybe. I, I like the idea that this movie is going to, I don't know, subvert some expectations. It's going to be a Superman movie first and foremost. So, um, change is that. So with Man of Steel, you spent half of the movie where he was learning how to become Superman which is great for an origin film, but James Gunn's not wanting to do that. I, I, it sounds very much like Superman's going to be in the first 10 minutes of the movie, like in costume, flying around, saving people. So it's going to be 
a Superman movie um, as Superman right off the bat. Um, and yes, I see some of the comments. Your mic and camera keep cutting out. Yes, there are some issues going on with my mm -hmm. hardware. Um, I don't know what it is. I'm going to have to uh, fix it on my end uh, shortly after this. For some reason, my computer just doesn't like it when we go live. So it has nothing to do with my internet. It's the computer that's having some hardware issues. Rough. So. Okie dokie. Yeah. But uh, with all of that, uh, another out, and that was Sean Gunn, uh, James Gunn's younger brother, also known as uh, Weasel from the Suicide Squad and a bunch of other random uh, lesser-known characters. And he played uh, the character of, I think, was it Craglin? I think that's the character's name mm -hmm. in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, he is playing uh, Maxwell Lord in Superman Legacy, presumably, because they know he's going to be Maxwell Lord for the DCU, but they don't know where it's appearing. Either way, it's going to probably be Superman. Um, but there was a big... Uh, I, I guess a big on the internet about why this was such an annoying thing, why people were like, oh my god, he's done it again. But with the announcement... Um, I guess they kind of romanticize who Max Lord is in the comics. Um, he in the comics, he was kind of a no name, lesser known character for a very long time and wasn't made truly popular and notorious until he was killed by Wonder Woman, and that was when he became a bad guy. But the character himself, I mean, uh, aside from the, the mind control, telepathy, the cyborg stuff, all that later stuff, Max Lord was a member of the Justice League International as their, their manager. He was just, um, he was kind of a sleazeball, uh, kind of borderline con man, but he was kind of just this PR guy. He wasn't meant to be anything beyond that. And then he became a bad guy at some point and eventually character from, but, but a lot of people are, uh, this is going to be a, the same take that we got with Wonder Woman 84, where Pedro Pascal played Maxwell Lord, and it couldn't be further from that. So, John Gunn playing this kind of a lesser-known character uh, isn't a big deal to me, because he is very much a lesser-known character. It wasn't until Identity Crisis and Infinite Crisis in 2005 where he became a supervillain slash giant asshole. Do you think that he'll be the PR agent for the uh, that bad team? That heroes that don't care how things, and he has to kind of spin it to make it look like it's not as bad as what they were doing. I would think they'd make on the character. Um, I would like that, but I actually think he'd probably be more aligned with the JSA type characters that we have, like Mr. Terrific, Green Lantern, Hot Girl. Like those characters, I think he's going to be aligned with them and not mm. the. I mean, because they're essentially the members of the Justice League International, just not the Justice League International. I could see them very much being like the Justice Society and he's the PR guy, manager of that group. Um, so I don't expect too much there. Um, what he did, uh, what James Gunn also did say after this casting was um, what single protagonist movie doesn't have more than 10 speaking roles? There will be more. He said that and then someone responded right off the bat. I think what you're saying is please no more superhero cameos setting up the new DC. Uh, and he said, none of these roles are cameos. So that does change a lot in terms of what people are expecting all these characters to be. Because all these characters 
um, there was a big rumor that a lot of them were just going to be these quick blink and you miss it kind of a cameos. Like, oh, here's an invasion of all these characters. Here's a bunch of kind of like an, a montage orgy of superhero fighting and then it cuts away. Um, where you, now you get into the, kind of the territory as a if it's a cameo or if it's a decreased role. Like, for instance, uh, Batman in the Suicide Squad was was what? I mean, his, his role wasn't a cameo because he had three or four scenes in the movie and multiple speaking roles. Um, so which is it? I mean, is it is it more lying the Batman side of things where it's like, okay, he's there, but he's not the main character. He's not even a secondary tertiary or any of that character, but he's more than a cameo, but less than a main role. Um, or is it going to be like, is Green Lantern going to have 10 minutes of monologues? And that's what people are now questioning. I don't think it's where is it going to be? Is it yeah? If it's not a cameo, is it? I don't think it's going to be ten minutes of monologues. But seeing that all the characters that are being set up are going to be that version of a character in something else, whether it be their voice, I I I wonder if we see any scenes. You know, Marvel sometimes will do things where we'll see a scene like. That uh, end of Eternals, right, where Black Knight is becoming a thing and then supposedly, you know, camera pans over and that's the beginning of the next thing. So I wonder if we'll see some things like that where we might see the beginning of a scene, you know, the lanterns are in a spaceship and then it flips off or the lanterns call Superman and have a conversation uh, TV monitor turns off and then they continue that conversation. I mean, there's so much world building happening. It, 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 it's not a cameo if the character literally continues on the next scene over. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think all of those things are fun and I'm excited for him to fill out this world the way that he's going to. Exactly. And I think what he's, what he's doing is not so much as just filling a bunch of lesser known cameos, but I mean, exactly what you said. I mean, what constitutes as a cameo? And that's like, you could argue that Commissioner Gordon's role in Zack Snyder's Just League was kind of an extended cameo. Two scenes, and then once those scenes were over, it was that was it. Um, but then you have Batman and the Suicide Squad, where he's got three scenes, and they're maybe a culmination of like five, six minutes of actual footage. Um, but when I think of a cameo, I think of like a true cameo, as in like, like you said, or at the end of the movie, Harry Styles shows up for half a second, and that's a cameo. But Black Knight, he was a lesser-known character that is to set up something else. So I think it's somewhere in the mix of where Batman was in Suicide Squad and where Black Knight was in The Eternals. And I think that's where a lot of these roles are going to fit. Um, I don't, for a second, think they're going to have... They're not going to be competing screen times or anything like that. Superman is Superman, and he's the main character. And you've also, obviously... Lois Lane that are going to be front and center for me. So I don't think um, but then we kind of get into the other issue over this weekend where Zachary Levi um, had an interview with comicbook.com and kind of threw some shade at everybody. And yeah, he's mad that he decided to play a Shazam that didn't resonate with an audience and now hasn't been asked to come back and is probably too old for the role now. Sorry, bro, you missed out. You can go look to be another superhero down the line. 
Uh, it was weird. I didn't understand where this was coming from because it's like, why would you shit on the guy that's going to hire you to be in this Run world it. again? Yeah. Um, I unfortunately found it very unprofessional um, and kind of very myopic in your your view. Um, because, I mean, as the interview goes on, they ask him about uh, if he's going to be playing a new character. Um, and he kind of questions, like, what do you mean a new character? And then he they they uh, the host explains how um, essentially Jason Momoa is probably going to now become the new Lobo. And, and how Sean... John Gunn is going to just play this lesser known character. And he immediately jumps into saying, oh, uh, yeah, Sean Gunn was in the Suicide Squad. And, and those are more like these little cameo roles. Listen, when you're the brother of the guy who runs DC, I guess you can play whoever you want. And he threw this shade. And it, it's kind of Sean Gunn is not playing anyone big. He never has. He's got dozens of these little cameos throughout everything but i don't for a second see a weasel project happening i don't for a second seeing i mean people even forgot he played calendar man for all of two seconds right uh craglin is probably his biggest character and even he is not even a main member of anything like he's he becomes a main member of the guardians by movie three but maybe like, 10 minutes of screen time tops like he's not a big character none of these are big characters and we're also we're also shitting on the like character he plays in world where so much of what he does is facilitates his brother making the movie. I mean, he walked around on set to be the rocket raccoon uh, stand in. Correct. Like he was yeah. the sightline for people. So like the fact that like, we're being like, oh, you shouldn't be this B character. That's fine. Not even a I, B character. He's like a D character in every role he plays. <laughs> right. And it's like, why would you not utilize him in that way? That's the part I don't understand. It's not like he fired you as Shazam to hire his brother as Shazam. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, no, no, no. We're not telling those stories right now. And, and that's kind of the weird thing. I mean, fact of the matter is Shazam 1 and 2 were not major blockbusters. Number 1 made Man of Steel money, but it had a higher profit ratio because it was cheaperly made. Uh, Shazam 2, unfortunately, was the biggest bomb of this year. I mean, people even say that, uh, oh, Captain Marvel was the worst MCU's ever done. Captain Marvel still made more money than Shazam 2. And from the production cost to profit ratio, even Blue Beetle made more money than Shazam 2, which is terrible because Blue Beetle had zero marketing and effectively was a bomb. But because the movie was as cheap as it was, they actually turned a profit on it. They didn't turn a profit with Shazam 2. Um, but you can kind of say that, okay, maybe Shazam 2 failed because of the Black Adam situation where Dwayne Johnson didn't want to include Shazam into that universe and no. kind of sabotage it all. Shazam 2 is not an amazing movie. There are some fun stuff in it. There's some weird stuff yeah. in it. That has nothing to do with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That has nothing to do with Black Adam. Even if it would have had that hype machine behind it, it would have just been a bigger letdown because the movie doesn't pay off any of that stuff. The movie contradicts its own lore that it set up in the first movie. 
It really does. And that's what makes it so frustrating is that what kind of sequel was it? I mean, sequels are supposed to up the scale from one movie to the next. And it didn't feel like that. It felt like a sidestep where they just kind of continued the story and then in a lesser capacity. The fact that they introduce the Shazam family, like if you wanted to do a traditional movie, the first movie should have one Shazam. And then the next movie should maybe have the girl Shazam. And then in the third movie, when we're stretching to find something else, then the whole family gets involved. I feel like they jumped they jumped the shark so fast with Shazam, unless you are going to do another equally as big world that maybe the Black Adam could have brought. Like, unless Shazam 2 was Black Adam versus the Shazams, you're, that wasn't the movie that they were setting up. So why do you think that that would make it better? Right? It's, it's just such a frustrating thing. Like, there's no way around it that... Um, I honestly liked Shazam 2, but I didn't like it as much as Shazam 1. I thought, I thought the first one had this nice, creepy angle to it with the Seven Deadly Sins, and they made the movie a lot more a lot more fun. And Dr. Savannah was a way better villain than the other characters um, that we got in the second one. The Daughters of... Daughters of Atlas, I think is what they were? I don't know. <laughs> they um, were gods. Characters that were literally were... made up. Yeah, they were fighting they were made up gods. Just the movie. They're not even from the comic. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's that they they jumped right into okay now we have the Shazam family and now the Shazam family's having issues the like, the Shazam too when they like, fought bad even, Charlie's Angels right there was an old, there was Lucy Lou and then the old Charlie's <laughs> Angel and the really young Charlie's Angel and like they don't get along anymore like that was the movie yeah. I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. Do you think this takes but, Zach out? Do you think this uh, takes Zachary Levi that. out of the running to do future projects? Like, do you think James Gunn puts his name like, oh, on I, my I show? List. Does, yeah. Yeah, I think it definitely does because um, throwing shade at a budding production headlines as he did is not the most professional way to go. Um, especially when you're literally insulting the integrity of the director and co-owner slash co-everything for DC. Like, he basically accused James Gunn of, like, severe nepotism, when the fact is that James Gunn, like literally every director in Hollywood who has more than one, one project under their belt, a lot of these people tend to work with people that they're used to. And they know they can work with. Um, I, I got annoyed when people started like throwing a ton of shade about the announcement. And I said flat out, like, Zack Snyder does this. I mean, for people who try to ignore, uh, ignore it, Zack Snyder has put his son in almost every one of his films. Um, and mind you, as they go on nowadays, they're lesser and lesser, but... He was literally the young Leonidas in 300 and young uh, Rorschach in Watchmen. Like, he was two big screened characters for both of these things. And then he just turned into cameos going forward because he's like a teenager now and has like responsibilities and stuff. But Zack Snyder had done this. Chris Nolan does this. He Chris 
Nolan has this tendency of using 20 actors in every movie he makes. And they're always there. Um, Martin Scorsese does this. Um, uh, Quentin Tarantino notoriously does this, right? Um, uh, and Steven and, Spielberg. And on the flip side, on the comment, yeah, exactly. And then the biggest flip of it all, literally made his own production company to keep all of his friends employed and keeps them in every single one of his movies. His wife is in every single one of his movies. His daughter was the new main character of his most recent movie. So, but James does it, and then everyone's losing their mind, saying, oh, how dare he? Hollywood, Hollywood exactly works that way. But, but for again, does James Gunn ever cast his wife or main character? No. Mm. Never does this. It's not a thing that he does. Like, he cast him initially as a cameo in the Suicide Squad and then to a secondary supporting character for Peacemaker. And then all of a sudden, uh, she was used a lot more in the other projects. Like, she was in Black Adam for some reason as, like, the warden. Uh, and then she was in Shazam 2 as the recruiter for JSA. When, uh, right? One of the things that I dislike is that when people say these things, it's like, did you not watch the show? She was great in uh peacemaker like she to me justifies that role totally fine so is the problem that they're taking away from the project or like you see craglin and you're like oh well that's the other guy i don't think that's what people think and as long as they can execute on the day while there's millions of dollars being spent millions of dollars are being spent for us to be here and shoot this movie wouldn't you want to have people that are reliable and people that you can trust to help execute that vision? So I don't see it that way. Exactly. And Sean Gunn is not this, he's not in the running for Batman. He's not in the running for Superman. He's not in any of the A-level characters. He's playing a C-level character in DC. Now. And then doing mocap for a bunch of other stuff. Speaking of voiceovers, did you see Owen Wilson as Batman? On uh, oh, I, the, um, the Batman cartoon on Amazon, yeah, where he's the Bat Dad, he does a great job. Now, does this mean that Owen Wilson's now gonna be Batman moving forward? No, that's not what it means. Was it, it Owen Wilson or was it Luke Wilson? I thought it was Luke Wilson. I thought it was, his I brother. think it's no, it's Owen Wilson. I don't know, let's find it. Uh, Amazon Christmas Batman. It's really fun. It's a real fun. It's a, got a fun art style. I enjoyed it till I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, I see uh, when it was Luke. It was Luke Wilson. It wasn't Owen Wilson. It was the okay. brother. But still. Uh, but James Cromwell was Alfred Pennyworth. That's kind yeah. of amazing. So. <laughs> um, but so I saw that I saw parts of the project and. It was, it was, but at the same time, I can see why David Zaslav wanted to kill this project because of essentially brand damage. He said that projects like these don't serve the greater purpose and they make fun of their own properties. And that movie, yes, it's for little kids, but it's also highly saturated. Like it's, it's hard to watch that movie and be like, yeah, this is a good Batman movie. It was like, this is ridiculous. This is a parody of Batman. So um, it's, it's just one of those things. I see it and I'm like, all right, I see what they're doing, but okay. 
um, everyone's super old now. Batman has now got a beard, and Bat apparently Gotham's been safe for a long time because Batman locked everybody up, and he's got a kid. He <laughs> wanted to be his dad. You gotta watch it. Listen, I like that. It I okay. like that it makes I like that it makes fun of it and brings in you know a fun element of Batman's character. I don't think it hurts the brand at all. I don't think. No. I don't think people aren't going to go see the next Matt Reeves Batman because they're like, oh, I saw the Amazon cartoon. It's not for me anymore. Like, it's not for you in the first yeah. place. Exactly. So I don't know. It's it. I can see both sides of it. I, I definitely think that people are being way too critical of it. But at the same time, I, I like to comment again on the fact that the fans seem to be in, in this latest stage of what, and what we're going to outrage over next. Um, because obviously the these are the same fans who hated the Shazam movies, and now they're saying, "Oh, Zachary Levi's got it right. Uh, he's James Gunn is stupid. Nepotism, yay!" Like they're rallying behind someone they hated last week. Um, and then most recently, uh, yesterday I think it was, there was a blip on the servers for HBO Max, and a small handful of content dropped off the off of HBO Max for like an hour while they fixed the servers, and immediately. Watchmen was caught up by people like people like oh the Watchmen of of HBO Max how dare Zaslav try to destroy Watchmen and blah 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 and then as soon as it came back now they're saying oh it's just it's just them trying to save face we called them on it they're putting it back blah 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 um, this faux outrage that exists when anytime anything happens I like to point out that none of these fans had watched. Watchmen since it debuted and the entire time it debuted they were bitching that it wasn't good enough compared to Zack's Watchmen movie like people are now just looking for something to be mad about and they're grasping at absolute at the the lowest hanging fruit possible the the they're they're justifying circumstance and ignoring facts and their tinfoil hats couldn't be shown. do you think that it, do, you, do you think it's because it's so easy to slam dunk on what shitty movies marvel is doing right now like it's so easy to fire shots one direction and hit a bullseye every time that when talking about the dc stuff it's like well you already won you you zack snyder's dc world is dead it's never gonna happen the money is not going to be there for a very long time if he comes back he wants to do a one-for-one -one remake of a comic book which he's very successful at doing. He's very successful by following that method. So I just don't understand, like, what's the goal here? Like, do you want to ruin Superman before it even gets airborne? Because if you kill little baby Kal-El now, it'll never happen. And the fact that, you know, that they yeah. even have a 2025 release date is amazing to me. You know what I mean? Because it just shows how far things got messed yeah. up by the writer's strike. Yeah, and so and with this, so uh, today there was a an interview that came out from um, cultural Cultura Asia. It's like a, it's an international news outlet who asked Zach if he would uh, continue to do his uh, Justice League stuff if Netflix had the rights. It has been misquoted dozens of times because people don't pay attention to the quote. So listen to the wording on this when I read it to you, and tell me if. That thing, if that if you for a second advocating the Netflix buy the rights. Here's the exact quote, word for word. If Netflix had owned the rights to DC, 
characters in my extended universe, of course I would absolutely return. <laughs> right. If make you think that Netflix is buying the rights because apparently everyone on Twitter now thinks that Netflix is doing it. He just said if four ifs happen, then maybe. And he's a guy that doesn't turn away money. And I don't yeah. mean that in a negative way. I mean that if a project can come together and it makes sense for him to be there, he will. But he is not trying to move heaven and earth for these things. He has other projects that he would like to get made. And he definitely answered it as a, in a like, if pigs could fly, yes, I would be flying with them. Like, that's how he pretty much phrased it because Netflix cannot and will not ever spend half a billion dollars to license out these, these characters just to finish two films for Zach. Like, there's no financial gaining for them to do this. And last week, the same outrage happened when one of the Netflix executives said that they want to invest more in the Snyderverse. But in that same interview, they said that the Snyderverse is Zack's original projects, not DC's Snyderverse, but the Rebel Moon stuff and the Army of the Dead stuff. Yes. Why they do 100% we... want to keep going with that Snyder? Why do we like the term Snyderverse so much? Like, there's got to be another, like, the Dark Universe. Like, let's just call it something else. Like, he's a. Right. I don't know. I mean, I think that's the problem. You can't just be like, oh, I want to make, I want to bring the Tim Burton world to life. And it's like, wait, 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 what do you mean? What Tim Burton world are we talking about? And that's the thing is that news outlets and interviewees and everyone like that, that they are literally using this phrasing as a way to get free press. It's just manipulation, marketing 101. If I call Zack Snyder, is Rebel Moon verse the Snyder verse will naively share all of this information and we get free press out of it. Uh, do, do, how much has Netflix spent on Rebel Moon? 160 million for both. Parts. Okay, they have enough money into Zack Snyder right now, they would probably need to spend double that just to make another DC version to make even any part of that. And again, no physical media, no DVD sales on the back end, no, no premiere dates in a movie theater. There's no money for these things. They would have to spend double that just to get the licensing from Amazon, from, from Warner Brothers to do this. And then they would have to spend double that to finish it. So they were looking at almost a billion dollars of fees and production costs with almost zero return on it. No, they're not doing it. That That's insane. They would never do that. Because it, it makes no financial sense. They would they would be committing massive suicide on, on, a, on a business level to make this happen. And then you have to even look at it that would Warner Brothers even say yes? Like, while they're, why would they greenlight a competing universe while they're trying to start their new universe yeah uh, yeah that's, gonna do it. yeah yeah no way would that happen so where does that leave us then in james and the james gun verse in the gun verse in the gun universe where does that leave us then in terms of superman does this mean superman can start filming tomorrow uh it's supposed to start filming uh in about six weeks so 
So they obviously like, then uh, know February Marchish. Right. Okay. So they have costumes, they have they have their players, they know their story and stuff like that. Um with that release date, do you think that gives I mean, I guess we wait to see how long this takes to for him to film before another project starts. I think on so some of the big news that also came out was that a small cameo in this movie as well. Um, I don't think it to be this giant role, but something just to acknowledge that Supergirl exists here and then to justify the happening. Um, I expect since they already have a writer for Supergirl, if they hire a director in the next six weeks, they cast the, the actress, they put her in the movie. Um, I could easily see that at the end, maybe this time next year, they're filming Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. But with that, all of the DC HBO projects like Green Lantern, all of that stuff, uh, they've already got their showrunners, apparently. They've already got a lot of that stuff ready to go. So I could easily see the second half of 2024 being let's produce our TV content right now. And Lanterns and the Amazon Paradise Lost and all those other projects will start moving forward instantly. Because right now, the only movies we have 2024 for DC is Joker. And again, even though that's under that umbrella, that's not a, that doesn't advance Gunn's universe at all. That movie is going to, I mean, that movie already has a built-in audience from its first movie. That movie yeah. will do good, but that has nothing to do with it being part of superhero world. You know what I mean? No, it's just going to help them raise more finances to make more projects. Because the first one, they spent $90 million on it and they made a billion dollars off it. That's a lot of cheddar, and that's a lot of projects they can make with that. So, what was the budget for the second one? I think it was like 120. Not much mm, more. Not much more. But it's it's honestly laughable, like and horrifically ironic that these same fans that are they're constantly bitching about the James Gunn universe are actively trying to kill the universe before it begins because they think somehow. That if Warner Brothers fails, Warner Brothers will sell the content to someone else or Universal will come in and buy Warner Brothers from Discovery or any one of these ridiculous notions. But mergers and boycotts and purchases, they don't, ex they don't turn into what they want, right? You didn't see buying the X-Men. Disney buying Fox did not mean that we got better X-Men films. In fact, means, we haven't had a single damn X-Men film in years. It means we get zero X-Men movie. The, I mean, it's so funny. Yeah. We used to be able to compare what Fox was doing to what Disney was doing to what Sony was doing. We don't even get to do any of that anymore. Yeah. And if Universal buys one of not mean that the Snyderverse is getting restored. That means it's not getting restored, even more. Like, Warner Brothers failing, all of a sudden, it's like the nail in the coffin for everything. Whatever exists currently is dead. Whatever exists before is also dead. Like, that's not how... Like, you don't boycott something and expect to get your outcome. That's the same Star Wars The Last Jedi logic that fans clearly lost sight of. But Warner Brothers already failed. They already got bought by Discovery. That merger has already happened. And this is the path that they're going to go on. Um, yeah. That, you know. Now, the question is, 
is Disney hurting enough? Is some is someone going to buy Disney, or would Disney sell off Marvel? Yeah, Disney's not going to sell off Marvel, but yes, they are hurting a lot. They're in like the I think the hundred billion dollar decline in their market right now. Like their stock dropped, their productions are just failing at the box office. They're losing a ton of money, and honestly, I could see Apple finish the job and buy them in the next few years. Can we even allow, I mean, like, not as you and no, me as no. human beings. I what's mean, but like, happen? can you allow a what's murder happen like that? Is... Because now they're, no. they, they physically own space in the world. Like, not only like an office building, but like chunks of Florida and chunks of California. Um, so what would happen is obviously the uh, FCC, FTC would like say, no, you're not doing this. Uh, would Disney they would have to start selling off things? No, they would. Because uh, they had major concessions to even get the Fox merger to happen. Um, what would probably happen is that they would have to sell off pieces. Um, things would be like, if you want to keep Lucasfilm and, and Marvel, you have to sell 20th Century Fox. You have to sell Buena Vista TV. You have to sell this. They would have them cut so much out of it that Disney would buy it. Disney Apple would buy Disney and would sell Fox out from under them and Ooh. would sell FX, would sell all of these subsidiaries that Disney just bought just so they could get the Disney brand. Ooh. And for people who don't realize the history, Apple has been this is almost like a long con at this point, like a 20, 30 year hostile takeover from Apple that has been existing since the Pixar days because people don't remember that Pixar was actually founded by Apple and then. When Disney was in a slump, Pixar bought Disney and then replaced all of their higher-ups with members of Pixar. And now we have the, pretty much what Pixar started as, which was ex-Apple employees. And now Apple's coming to finish the job. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, I don't even know anymore, man. But no, the FTC would not approve a merger. They would have to sell off parts of the company before before they could do the purchase. I mean... Uh, Marvel it, would stay intact. Lucasfilm would stay intact. But they would either be sold at a huge chunk. Like Lucasfilm could be sold to someone else as a whole. Disney would keep Marvel. And they would sell FX. They would sell Fox. They would sell 20th Century Pictures, whatever it is. Um, But no, they would not be able to buy the entire thing. Hmm. I, I mean, it's an interesting spot. I feel like movies uh, this last year, and I think what content is and what it's becoming, I don't think is known yet, and I don't any I don't think anyone has the finger on that pulse. You know, for every Barbie, you know, Barbie Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer Barbie that comes around. I mean, that was that was one thing. That was two movies that people talked about, but the rest of the year was kind of a sleeper. Yeah, it really was. Um, and speaking of sleepers, Michael, go watch Godzilla minus one. <laughs> well, technically, but I mean, my my doctor said I shouldn't infect people with COVID, so I need to wait a little bit longer. But yes, I would like to see that. I also want to go see the new Miyazaki movie, both of which yes. were Japanese productions that I really want to see. Yeah. Um, and what's so super interesting about it is that there was a, a rant on social media the other day from a comic book owner 
who basically said that the modern day films, modern day comics, modern day superhero, everything, why it's declining and why anime and Japanese cinema is and he, he basically he kind of attributed it to like the age old uh, it's gone too woke and people don't care for it anymore but he also pointed out the obvious right anime exists as a single creation from a single creator and a single vision right you don't see constant reboots and retellings of those same characters because anytime you see a reboot of an anime it's by the same person who made it the first time and they're or just doing it again with anime it just never ends They've just making One Piece cartoons or even Dragon Ball. You know, you know, we always say Dragon Ball Z, but Dragon Ball just never went away. Just do another series. Keep them going. Here's a new story. Here's a new art style. And he was saying was that in modern day comics, people, as well as movies and TV, people don't care anymore about these characters because these writers are putting too much of themselves into the writing and too much of agendas and and things like that. And they're not only betraying the characters, but the fan bases who actually likes these characters are getting annoyed and just moving on. While in anime and manga, you don't see characters like Deku or Vasha Stampede or things like that pushing some new political agenda because the character was written to be not that and the writer will continue to make the character true to the character. So the argument is that Modern day comics are failing because the comic companies have food of their own characters. And that's why you can argue that this is why companies now are are just falling apart because Disney makes reboots upon reboots. When we've talked about this before, the reboot of uh, Little Mermaid failed, not because it was woke or whatever, but because it wasn't really true to the source material. It wasn't true to the character. It was it was so much of a reboot that it just didn't feel like Ariel and the Little Mermaid anymore, and it got boring. Yeah, and the same argument's happening with the new Snow White movie. And say that yes, they're pushing agendas, and they they really were. I mean, they try to modernize Ariel. They try to add all this feminist stuff. They took out some of the the bad guys' music to make it fit a certain way. But at the same time, when you're pandering to people like that, you're you're not. You're no longer pandering to the general audience. You're pandering to a select few that typically don't see the movie anyways. Well, one of the things I found interesting was like, now that Disney is aware of this problem, we're talking about their pandering. Uh, uh, South Park made fun of it in the Pandaverse, right? Like this is like a known thing. How long do you think it takes- Make it a girl and make her gay. Yeah, that was a great episode. How long do you think it takes to write the ship? Because you know there's probably- Snow White, there's like three more projects that are already filming and are already in the can that are not going to write the ship anytime soon. I mean, look at it this way. When DC to write the ship of DC of the DC stuff, when when they literally said uh we're gonna fix DC, we're going to reboot it. Said it yourself. They already had four or five projects already made, and they had to release them. And now people are thinking that DC's failing because Warner, because Warner Brothers Discovery put out four crap movies. But no, those were the movies of the last regime. Those were the stuff that was already out, and they just had to do it. So, even if Disney says today, we're going to fix our issues, but what is that? 
that that means that what in five years everything's going to be wrecked because all the stuff they're working on currently it still has to come out or they're going to do a massive pr fiasco and cancel the films and then watch the internet implode it makes me so worried about the ray movie where does the ray movie fall into this do they give ray to people that just want to tell a good star wars story or is ray going to be the avatar for girl bosses which i feel like the when i think about the original disney princesses and things like that and those movies they are characters that regardless of how the world is show how bright they shine because of who they are and i feel like that's been lost i feel like we want to see our characters yeah. excel and be great for whom they are so we can celebrate that instead of just assuming oh well they're going to be good at this thing because of x y and z um I'm real worried about what they're going to do to Ray. I really like Ray as a character. I'd really like them to redeem her from the last couple of Star Wars movies. Which, ironically, and I know that we have different, we've we've always had different opinions on everything that we watch. I mean, um, I actually watched the new Indiana Jones movie, and before you say anything, I actually liked it. So I know you hated it, but I liked it. I'm glad you um, watched. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad that you were, it's Someone, I think the red letter media guy said the first half of Crystal Skull is better than the second half. I think yeah. that the second half of this movie is better than the first half of this movie. Oh, like 100%. The second half was really good. Um, the first half was very slow. Uh, but at the same time, both halves are still better than Crystal Skull. So See, like, right. I, I think if you could meld those two worlds together, which they kind of tried to do, um, I dislike when movies feel like video games. I dislike when movies yeah. feel like video games. My problem with the last Jedi, what's the what's the one where Palpatine comes back? Rise of Skywalker. Thank you. There are too many video game missions where you're just telling what we're going to do and then we go do it. There was too much in that new in this last Indiana Jones movie that felt like felt like a video game. And guess what? That's not how you make video games because good video games don't feel like a video game. The Last of Us TV show doesn't feel like a video game. It feels like an HBO TV show. So I just dislike that lazy narrative. Um, there's stuff that I like. I I want to like the new Indiana Jones, but you're right. That first half is such a slog, and then we get bogged down in the middle. I just think they forgot, like what we want. We want to spend time with Indiana Jones. Like it's not always. I don't know. I don't know. Like like the tut tut race scene. We didn't need any of that nonsense. Just get him on the plane and get him to the next destination. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of stuff that I liked. I did enjoy it. I did like the justification. Um, I liked the end. I liked the end a lot with Marion showing back up and kind of like you realizing that um, it wasn't so much Marion that left him as that he left Marion because he had such a hard time dealing with Mutt's death. My problem... Um, with, that was really nice. My problem with the end is that they should have killed Indiana Jones. 
and they should have, I wanted them to do a Back to the Future 2. When Indiana Jones is like, oh no, he's hurt. What's going to happen? They're showing all these rocks and cave and water everywhere. Great. Send somebody back in time to go up there. Let's play with this moment that we're scared of happening. And then you just got to write to Indiana Jones being an 80-year-old man. You can't have Grandpa Joe Biden running around the world, getting fist fights, jumping off of stuff. It's like, that's not, he yeah. can't do that. He's 86 years old, everybody. Yeah. We went on a little bit of a tangent there. Um, what were we talking about before? Now listen, it's not is, a tangent. We went on such a big tangent. Uh, I, I, listen, even though it feels like a tangent, it's not. This is another huge project that Disney thought was going to be a slam dunk, and it wasn't. And we have this, we're in a space right now where fandom is angry at what is being presented to them. And I think because of like the, the shitty food that we're being given, all this McDonald's that people are eating, it's making them prejudge, you know, the DC reboot. I mean, I think people should be excited that we're going to get something new and wipe away the cobwebs and get new new stories, new blood, fresh yeah. ideas. And that's what we're getting. And it's going to be absolute. It's, uh, like I've said before, um, I am not a shill for James Gunn. I'm not defending James Gunn. Like drink the James Gunn Kool-Aid. I have said it before that I have a loyalty to these characters and if the characters are done correctly I will show up. To prejudge before the cameras has even started rolling is insanity. Like everything on paper sounds great. So why not let's have the let, let's just slow a roll a little bit and just see what happens because we're judging way too soon and a lot of people are judging from a state of emotional frustration for how DC had been handled before, but you're blaming people who had no hand in what happened before. So let's just see what happens. Well, and then do you like what he did? I mean, it's, it's so weird because like, at what point does James Gunn get removed from the stuff? Like, did you like guardians one? Like which guardians is his yeah. movie, right? Guardians 3 clearly ended in a spot that he was happy with, but they weren't really his characters anymore. You know what I mean? Like, at what point do, do these things get taken away? And the singularity of what you just said was, with anime and Japanese films, it's one creator showing their ideas and having characters be true to life. And I think James Gunn can do that. I think he can absolutely yeah. do that with his DC projects. And if that's the case, then, that's a much brighter tomorrow. I agree. And I'm really hoping that when the product does release, fans will, will stop complaining and start hey, it's now in a good spot. Let's be excited when the future comes. Because if he sticks the landing with Superman Legacy and if the casting for Batman, the casting for Super, Supergirl wows people, then there's a decent shot. This will be the best version of DC that could have ever existed on film. And not only that, like every complaint that we've had about Marvel for the last 10 years is not going to happen here because James clearly learned from their mistakes 
he made Guardians of the Galaxy 3 as essentially the anti-MCU MCU movie. And and it's so funny, Taylor, I, honestly, because yeah. I think I think you're right. The pendulum swung the wrong way. Everyone felt like we got to make little, these superhero movies for little kids, the widest possible one. And it's like, I think we need to do what James Gunn is doing. I think these movies need to be PG-13 to R, and that needs to be where the audience is. Let the movies be taken seriously again. We don't need a Disney princess musical number in the middle of our Marvel movies. We need more Rocket standing over the corpses of his friends crying because of what just happened. Like, we need more serious, uh, heartfelt moments that actually get people. The subplot of Guardians 3 is animal torture. It's a very difficult yeah. movie to watch, okay? You as an audience <laughs> have to ask yourself really tough questions. None of that's happening in any... Choose any one of the Marvel projects you want to shit on right now. You know what I mean? That's not happening. And funny enough, you know, one of the projects that I, I liked Doctor Strange too. I just couldn't believe that it had been so long for Doctor Strange. There's so that he's so saturated in so many other things. By the time it came around to Doctor Strange too, it's like, what else do we got to talk about? He's he's living a full life over here. Um, yeah. Okay. I listen. Zach Levi out. Let's get a new Shazam. Let's slam dunk on him as well. I'll say it again because a lot of people think that um, my my fan casting choice for a new Shazam is uh, Jack Reacher himself, Alan Rickman. Taylor, Richman. Taylor, I just, we, me and the wife both watched season one of Reacher when and, uh, two days it's ago. So good, right? It's fucking great. He's so good. That character, like literally the Jack Reacher, I cannot tell a lie. Like if you were to have that be a little kid inside of that, that's hilarious. He's so good. I'm, and I, the reason why I say that I want him to be one episode of New Girl where he was the street artist with the micro penis. Watch that episode and watch Alan do the most ridiculous humor. And yes, imagine now him a 12-year-old kid. Like I'm, I'm so that that is my only fan casting. The only time I jump into fan casting is I will say that like Alan should be the new Shazam because it would be, be so much so damn fun. He looks great, and he would it would great to have it would great to have Shazam be physically hulking and scary even though we know wink wink he's not really that scary he's actually a little kid inside of there um where zach levi i understand why you casted him you needed somebody with comedy chops but there are different ways to play the shazam man right and they chose to go one way i would love to see it go a different way yeah um I think that if you cast known for serious roles and cast someone that you don't think can handle comedy and have really good writing, you can pull it off. I never thought Channing Tatum would be in anything, but 21 Jump Street is probably one of my favorite comedies because Channing Tatum is ridiculously funny in those movies. Um, if you do it right, if you cast the right person, you can get some really funny stuff out of them. You just got to accept that it's... it's it, you got to subvert the expectations a little bit. Mm. 
So stop hiring comedians for these roles that you expect. Don't, don't hire the obvious people. <laughs> uh, if I'm going to fan cast, if Taylor's going to give great stuff like that, let's get uh, Michael Fassbender as the Green Martian. That'd be cool. Oh, I mean, I guess he's. I mean, I guess he's coming back as Magneto, right? We're gonna see that mag. We're gonna see the Magnetos hang out. Not you don't Magneto. see. He's not coming. You don't think. That. You don't think we'll see a scene where the two Magnetos are pointing at each other like you're Magneto, what you're Magneto, what you did it. You don't think we'll get a Spider-Man with Magnetos? They don't have enough screen time to pull off all of those kind of things. I think we're gonna get Ian McKellen and uh, Patrick Stewart again, and that's it. Mm. Well, Taylor, if that's what you want to talk about, that's new news, and that's a whole new episode in itself. So let's put a bow, a nice, beautiful bow, and uh, read this episode a good night story and give it a kiss on the cheek. If you'd like to give us a kiss on the cheek, head over to our patreon.com slash the cultured nerd. Yeah, we very much appreciate all of our patrons. Thank you for keeping the lights on here. Thank you for uh, keeping uh, Taylor's uh, shoddy technology at best working and up to full speed. Uh, your host has been Taylor Murphy. Your co-host has been me, Michael Santel. Our logo has been by Jose Navarro, and our intro is by Jay, uh, Taylor Murphy and Jay Stu. Uh, if you have those cell phones, uh, like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell. That way you'll be up to speed whenever we're coming out with brand new content. Lots of really cool stuff in the works for 2024, but that is new news, and we're finishing up old news uh, thank you so much for joining us. Chat, thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining us here live in the real world. I see you, Marvel Man. I see you, other Michael. I see you always, never. Thank you for being here with us. And uh, we'll be back very soon to talk about the uh, end of the year predictions. Yeah. Well, as in the end of the year predictions, we have an interview for next week. And then we got a Rebel Moon episode that we're taking a break for a few weeks. So uh, we'll do the uh, end of the year predictions with the Rebel Moon watching of next week. Um, okay. Okay. Because I would, I would like this on the cheek. <laughs> what do you mean? You give it a little you kiss make on the Patreon cheek. Patreon sounds smutty. No, no, no. It's, 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 a, it's a big. It's a Patreon. It's, a, it's not an OnlyFans, Michael. Come on. Yeah, it's a big. No, it's a big grandma. Mwah, mwah. It's two kisses. It's two big kisses on the cheek. I would do it to anybody. I kiss you on the cheeks. Anyway, love all of you. Much. See you soon. <laughs> we'll see all you kids and cats next time. All right. Bye.